You're listening to The New Paris. I'm your host, Lindsay Tremuda. A recent New York Times story had a lot of us Parisians up in arms. It's mayhem on Rue de Rivoli and streets across Paris, we're told, as bikes take over and the mayor pursues an ambitious goal of making the city a European cycling capital by 2024. The journalist includes comments such as, it's like anarchy, and everyone is just doing as they please. There are no police, no fines, no training, and no respect. Not only did it sound like a car wrote most of the piece, but it was sensational, and in many cases, it incited fear of a process that's really quite standard. The growing pains of a city in the midst of a transformation like this is to be expected. But the automobile lobby makes a lot of noise, and so what is a necessary change to the very urban fabric of Paris is seen as an evil complication to daily life. To talk about this cycling revolution in the city, I'm joined by a former guest of the show, Nicolas Le Goff, an urban scout, author, and longtime cyclist. So how safe is it to ride in Paris? Listen and find out. Bonjour, Nicolas. Hi, how are you, Lindsay? Good, good. I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk to you today because this is a topic uh, that has been on my mind for a very long time. Uh, specifically since I myself became someone who cycles mm-hmm. through Paris, um, but also because I was very frustrated to read this piece in the New York Times um, not that long ago. And I figured who better to talk to about this than someone who's been cycling for 15 years in Paris before it became what it is today. So Nicola, welcome back to the show, actually, because you you were on a couple of years ago with when your book came out l'autre paris or the other the, another paris indeed yes so so this is exciting um so as i said the, the this new york times article talked about sort of they used very specific words like chaos and anarchy and you know it almost leads you to believe that a car lobby had or someone from a car lobby had written this piece um what is going on in Paris right now? <laughs> <laughs> a lot is going on in Paris right now. Um, where to start? Um, basically, uh, for the last two years, uh, the presence or the, the impact of bicycles in the city is much more uh, much much more seeable than before because there have been different things which happened together and made the bicycle a much more useful means of transport or uh, something which was more useful than before, even though it was already. Uh, you you know because you live in Paris that in, at the end of 2019 there, there have been huge huge strikes in Paris. So the metro and other means of transport didn't work that well at that time. So it was in the winter time, and a lot of people had to change the way they get to the job or to their regular errands. So they chose for them, some of them to use the Velib the Public system of bike of free bicycles. Now they're not free, but you can rent them. I mean, right, a bike share. And, mm-hmm. oh, exactly, and other people use their you know, took their old bicycles from the caves and took them. And just after that, there was the the huge uh, worldwide sanitary crisis, uh, which had also a big impact on our lives. Uh, and bicycle started to be seen also as um, a good way to to keep on being mobile and keeping your distance with other people, not to spread the disease. So these two uh, events, which uh, happened at the end of, of 2019 and during 
2020, made the, the use of bicycle increase much more than what had been, you know, uh, predicted. And also the, 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 the city had already, you know, started investing um, massively in developing bike lanes. And, you know, that's why a lot of people, unfortunately, dislike Mayor Hidalgo because she's basically been like, I don't care if you love your car, you're going to need to get over this because we're moving to a bike first and pedestrian first way of navigating, you know, the, the, the city life. Um, and as you just started to describe, you know, the, the, what we call the Corona piste. Indeed. Yes. So the, 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 the COVID path, uh, bike paths that were developed initially to be temporary solutions um, where, you know, the entire Avenue of Rue de Rivoli was, you know, closed off to cars have now been made permanent. And I just want to read one one stat that um, there there's something like a 250 million euro budget um, going into the extension of all these bike paths um, and and you know all the infrastructure um, that is is in the works to be improved even in the metro area. Um, and something like one million bike journeys. Are reported per day, which which is huge when you think about how far Paris is coming, um, you know where it's coming from as a as a city. Um, so yeah, COVID certainly accelerated all of this, but now it feels like, um, you know, th this idea that it's so dangerous, I feel is like a a, a weapon that the lobbies are using. Mm -hmm. Now it's not to say it's perfect. So as someone who's been riding their bike through Paris before all of this existed, what are you seeing as the biggest change or what have you seen in terms of behavior that has changed? So, so just to get back to what you previously said, yes, of course, all the infrastructure, infrastructures, sorry, uh, for the bicycle, devoted to bicycle have been, you know, implemented and created and designed for the last years. And it's, a, it's been part of a big plan which is still being under process. So, um, you know, we've got a saying in, in France, which says, uh, Rome ne s'est pas fait en un jour. I don't know if you've got the same in English, yes, but Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. And it's the same. To, 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 to create a new infrastructure plan takes years and years and years. And so at the moment, we're at a bit at a special point where a lot of bike lanes have been created, a lot of works have been uh, launched in different parts of the city and it created tensions between car car drivers and pedestrians and bike riders. But for the last 15 years, things only improved in terms of mobility for most people. I mean, of course, for people who drive cars, it's a bit trickier than before to find a, a car park or to drive around. But basically, if you just take figures, there are not that many cars driving uh, riding in the in the city there are many 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 more people who walk in the city or who now ride bicycles in fact so we needed to have much more place for those people so the thing is uh, when there are works uh, which are being done at, at the very moment it's not very pleasant because it creates traffic jams and uh, a lot of um, drawbacks for everyone but as soon as things are finished and delivered we forget about that and people just think, take for granted the new way the urban planning is done. And, and if you just look at figures, uh, I don't know, in, in just one year, I think in Paris, uh, the number of people who drive, uh, who, who ride bicycles has increased by 67%. 
That's hmm. huge. And, hmm. and in fact, this increase, this growth was already taken place for the last years, but it was less uh, visible because it's like, uh, I mean, the more people write, uh, the more they are, you, you see them in the street. And, and, and it's just a, a systemic movement that increases year after year. I, I don't know if I make myself uh, really clear. Totally. Yeah. And, and what I'm wondering is how safe did you feel riding your bike in the beginning and how safe do you feel now? I mean, yeah. is it really chaos when you're riding uh, in the morning and when you're coming <sighs> home from the office? It really depends where you drive, which uh, your routes are. I mean, when I started riding a bicycle 15 years ago, more than 15 years ago, I mean, there were not that many bike lanes. There were already a few ones on major axes of the city, but it was quite risky or tricky to ride a bicycle. But as we were not that many people riding bicycle, the bicycles, we didn't take that much space and the tensions were not huge with car drivers because we were not really embarrassing for them but the more we we became to be the more visible we were the more space we needed uh, the more tensions appeared so i wouldn't say i was uh, i felt more secure before but there were, there were less tensions and the tensions increased recently because there are more infrastructure devoted to to the, to the bicycles and uh, we are more and more riding bicycles but they i feel safer because i've got uh, certain parts of the roads or the streets which are devoted to me and my counterparts. The thing mm. is, uh, a lot of uh, people uh, take their bicycles, are, are new bike riders, and it's quite tricky to ride a bicycle in a big city, a big metropolis like Paris, like in other big cities, uh, but especially in this one because it's very dense, and a lot of people ride bicycles and they behave a little, a little bit like how they behave when they're driving a car. So sometimes they are individualistic, so they don't brake when they see a pedestrian crossing the street, or they could not respect a traffic light. But it's also the same with pedestrians or with cars. I mean, um, people have to adjust to the new system that occurs. I mean, we are just you know, seeing a transition happening. It's a revolution for mobility in Paris, and it's going to take, it's going to take you know, at least a decade for people to adjust, to get used to new etiquettes on the road or on the streets. And uh, um, we have to, I mean, each of us who, who occupy the public space, we have to take into account the existence of the others, of senior people, of uh, kids. Because at the moment, uh, we say that, you know, some people tend to say that bicycles are responsible for insecurity of all the pedestrians. But uh, a young kid can't still ride a bicycle in Paris because it's too dangerous because of cars. I mean, it's a huge system. It's holistic. And every every Parisian or every people who crosses the streets um, has to take into account the other and try to perhaps be more uh, compassionate about the other and the, mm -hmm. the way they, they move in the public space. Well, I think also um, what's what's very interesting is the way that there's this entitled feeling that car drivers think they are entitled to the road. And so they're just resistant because now they have to share the road. But at the same time, you know, even when it was just drivers and pedestrians, there was a sort of tension, right? Because pedestrians, let's be honest, this is a city where people jaywalk. Exactly, yeah. And they don't pay attention or they talk on their phones or they, you know, or they're texting while they're crossing the street. Um, and so we're coming from a place where there's already a little bit of bad behavior. Mm. Um, and, and what I was telling you the, you know, when we, when we saw each other, which I'm, 
you know, I, I have to mention because I think it's a testament to this transition period that you talk about, right? Where when I'm in a car, whether it's in a taxi or or something or, or someone's giving me a ride somewhere, I'm annoyed by everyone who isn't in a mm-hmm. car. When I'm walking, I hate everybody. And when I'm on my bike, everyone is a nightmare. So including other cyclists to a degree, because, you know, there are cyclists who don't respect the the traffic lights and who speed, who, you know, want you to move over if you're not going fast enough, this kind of thing. And so I just feel, while I would not call it anarchy, I I will say that there's sort of a behavior that seems very Parisian to me. Mm. And so I'm wondering how much of these tensions are the system of, of, you know, of navigating living together and sort of coexisting or how much of it is cultural? I think it's a bit of every, everything you, you've just uh, mentioned. But the thing is, I, I think it's also a question of culture. But I mean, I think in, in a lot of countries, uh, when the transition towards more bicycle in the streets, uh, happened, everything just didn't change in just in one day. I, I think, uh, uh, we come from really, really far concerning the bicycles. I mean, uh, all our societies have been, you know, uh, dominated by cars for uh, a century now. So we really have a cognitive bias that makes us, uh, take for granted the fact that when you're a pedestrian or a cyclist, you have to be careful because the car uh, has the priority, or not the priority, but you know, dominates the public space. But one year, one hundred years ago, you know, when when the cars uh, became more and more uh, used by people, that was the other way around. I mean, uh, uh, pedestrians were, were were the ones, and 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 horses and uh, the little bicycles were were the majority. And and before the concept of jaywalking was invented. Uh, it's been invented by the car industry, by the way. Uh, and there were ads. Uh, you could go and have a look at the, the, the ads which had been created in the 1920s to create the concept of the jaywalker, which was a mor- who was a moron from the countryside who didn't look on the right and the left before crossing the streets. And that puts, you know, the, um, the responsibility of the accident on the pedestrian and not on the driver. And you never said driver, by the way, you say the car. But, you know, there are a lot of things like that which have been, you know, um, uh, put in our brains that makes us think that, yes, things change. But is it the fault of, of bicycles or of pedestrians? It's just that for a century, we've been used to a specific way of, you know, behaving in the public space because cars were, were everywhere and were the most dangerous. So we had to be careful. But it's always been, you know, um, um, the more fragile who had to adjust. But Perhaps, uh, so I, I speak about vulnerable or fragile people. So pedestrians are more fragile and vulnerable than cyclists. So cyclists, and especially the new ones in Paris and all the Parisian cyclists, have to take uh, into account the fact that they're not alone when they ride and they have to slow down, they have to look around, they have to respect each other because, as you said, even between each other, the, the, the bike drivers don't respect that much uh, the other one. Uh, we have to communicate, and I think uh, there's a big need of uh, awareness raising campaigns. You know, uh, to just to not to teach, but to um, give in, uh, to incite people to I don't know just to communicate with each other, when, to indicate more when they turn right, when they break, uh, to to shout to each other, "Be careful! There are pedestrians crossing the street." I don't know. We have to look at each other in the eyes and to communicate. And as you said, perhaps it's cultural, perhaps here in Paris, 
perhaps who are a bit more individualistic as in other countries or cities. I'm not sure, but perhaps. Uh, but it works in other countries where the individualistic culture is present. So why shouldn't it work in Paris? Well, and that, that brings up a good point because, um, you know, we love to talk about how Paris is going to come the next Amsterdam mm -hmm. or Copenhagen. Um, and you, you told me, uh, before this, this discussion that, you know, the start of the, the bike culture in Amsterdam wasn't because all of a sudden they were, you know, very concerned for the environment. Yes, right? indeed. What was, what and was in fact, that? Yeah, because you were talking like? about the culture of French people or Persian people, but, uh, as if, Sometimes we look at Copenhagen or Amsterdam as if it was in their DNA to ride bicycles. But in fact, if you look back to the 1970s, uh, you can have, you know, archives with uh, videos about, you know, how Amsterdam worked uh, in the 60s or 70s. It was full of cars. There were not that many bicycles or no bicycles. And it's just because of opportunities and because of, you know, events which happened, a lot of accidents Uh, in Amsterdam, which, you know, created, you know, a big reaction among the population, which was... Didn't you say, didn't you say there was a child who was Yeah, but, but, but were, I think there, there were a few accidents, uh, some of them, you know, um, uh, concerning ch children, that really shocked people. So there was this, this move or this emotion in the society, and in parallel, in the 19th, um, in 1973, there was the first uh, petrol crisis, So a lot of economies, a lot of government decided that uh, the economy couldn't keep on working the same way. And part of the solution in some countries, like in the Netherlands, was to uh, put uh, a lot of incentive on the people to get back on their bicycles. And that's because of a really strong uh, public policy and uh, because of a specific uh, emotional environment that the move and the change have been able, uh, was possible. But it, it wasn't done in, in two months. It took a decade for right. things to change, to build new infrastructures, to, 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 to communicate, to, to, to have, um, uh, um, I don't know, uh, to have a, a real uh, strong change in the society. It took, it took a lot of time. So in Paris, it's just the beginning or the few first years of a real revolution. So every transition is always, be, is always very difficult because it's, uh, it creates a lot, lot of tensions and adjustments. So I, I'm really optimistic. I think in the, in the few years, things are going to, to evolve for the better. And, and to just to reassure the, the journalists who wrote this article of the New York Times, uh, I think chaos is really uh, <laughs> too dramatic and really exaggerated, but she only took the example of uh, two main avenues, which are the more problematic because uh, the infrastructures are huge and they are the two roads which are the most used by people. So of course, there are more tensions over there. But I can assure her and other people who are afraid to ride bicycles in Paris that there are a lot of, you know, wide avenues where you've got the, um, bike lanes dedicated to, to walkers, um, uh, places for pedestrians, and there are a lot of parts of Paris where things are not that awful uh, uh, to the contrary. No, no, for sure. Right, which is why it felt very unbalanced <laughs> as a as an article. Um, what kind of gestures have you started implementing when you're riding a bike? Like, are you trying, as as a champion <laughs> of of cycle culture, are you trying to educate others around you while you're yeah. on the bike? Uh, that would be pretentious to say I try to educate the others, but I just 
try like a lot of other people to disseminate uh, some little you know uh, behaviors uh, for example uh, the first times I, I, I traveled in in Copenhagen uh, uh, 15 years ago I rode a bicycle and at the very beginning I didn't know what were doing what were the codes and I realized that when people were breaking they were just holding the hand so that the people following them would be aware of the fact that they were breaking. Uh, so now I'm trying to do that when I ride my bicycle, so people don't really get my point, but at least I raise their attention so so they can be focused on what I'm doing. Uh, and of course, I try to, to indicate when I turn right or left with my arms. That's basic. We've been told that when we were kids, when we rode bicycles, but people mm-hmm. tend not to do that that much, in fact. So I try to to underline the fact that I'm doing that when I'm doing this. And, and the, the major thing which, uh, I mean, my major concern is the, the coexistence with pedestrians. So uh, sometimes we've got, you know, um, crossings, you call that crossings, uh, crosswalks, crosswalks. Mm-hmm. Uh, with no traffic lights. So, of course, uh, there are riders, bicycle riders, who want to go as fast as they can, so they will never stop for that. So, But the priority on these places is for the pedestrians. So, I, as soon as I, I see pedestrians coming from far away or reaching the crosswalks, I try not to shout, but to, to warn them, ha, uh, be careful, there are pedestrians. And I see more and more people uh, riding the bicycle trying to, not to educate the others, but just to, to behave in a certain way that will have perhaps an impact on the others. Mm. And so the, the two boulevards you're talking about that are a bit problematic for now, um, and there have been television hmm. reports about them. I imagine you're talking about Rivoli and uh, Boulevard yeah, Sebastopol. Yeah. Um, Rue de Rivoli, which what is interesting is that there's sort of, I mean, it's a bit strange as well. It seems like there's sort of multiple lanes <laughs> for bikers going toward Place de la Concorde, one coming in the opposite direction, and then you still have the taxi and bus lane. And what I saw last weekend were all sorts of cars who either made mistakes um, and ended up on the avenue or uh, Uber drivers who aren't supposed to be there. So it's kind of like when you're looking at it as a pedestrian, you're like, something seems a little yes. off here. Um, so what are the policies, you know, the from, from to your knowledge, is the city trying to... Um, I don't know, put more checks in place, having more pol- um, police stops uh, for individuals who aren't following the rules properly. It's, it's, it's interesting because I have a friend who was stopped on his bike um, by a cop where he was flagged down last, last summer because he was on a Rivoli and he didn't stop at mm-hmm. one of the lights, even though technically he could keep going, but he didn't, I don't know, it was a, li- a light and there mm. were pedestrians. So he, he sort of blew through it. Um, but for the most part, it seems like it doesn't happen very often. So how are we going to educate, especially in high-dense areas like that? I think, like, what's yeah, the way I to do this? That what you were describing happens more and more on Rue de Rivoli. I think there are police controls or checks. I don't know what you would call that in English, but uh, I, I see them quite regularly on Rue de Rivoli. And of course, there's always, you know, the fear to be controlled so people slow down. That's basic. That's how it works in France, but that's a, a way, one of the ways to make things evolve. And there's also, uh, you were talking about the thing that on Rue de Rivoli especially, uh, 
uh, it's a bit difficult to to read to understand how it works because there are yes. there was a previous and permanent um, uh, bike lane, and in addition to that, there there, there have been uh, temporary corona pistes. And those ones are not really understandable. But the thing is, that was to to answer a crisis and a special need at a special moment. So we have to take that like an experiment. I mean, uh, it's a testing. Everything is not really work func- uh, functional and doesn't work really well. And I think, you know, uh, the city, the town hall will adjust and the people who are in charge will observe how, are observing how it works, what this functions. And they're going to turn that into hopefully something which will be more adapted to the situation. But we really have to keep in mind that, you know, on the, in all the big cities, 15, 20 years ago, there were not that many jobs of people, for people in charge of bicycles or pedestrians even, you know. So in all the urbanism or uh, mobility department of, uh, of the big cities, it's new concerns. It's quite recent, in fact, if you look at, at the history of the city. And it's even trickier, complicated to do that in Paris because it's an old city with a lot of patrimony, a, a dense network of small cities sometimes. Of course, we think about the Haussmannian boulevards, but there are also a lot of medieval cities or weird cities and, uh, sorry, weird, um, weird streets. And it's not that easy just out of nowhere to create uh, adapted and adjusted uh, bike lanes um, with sidewalks. And so with the crisis, the good thing is that an answer has been tried to be proposed to people for the mobility. And it was temporary. It's for the transition and things are going to evolve. But it takes quite a few a few months to create a new bike lane or a new way cars are going to uh, get to a certain point. So the circulation plan is a very, very complex issue. So you can't have it right just once like that. Uh, it takes uh, experimentations and uh, testing to make things evolve. evolve sorry. And there are other there are other cities in France, obviously, that are trying to implement similar uh, similar mm-hmm. infrastructures. Um, you know, we, we we talk about the Loire Valley as one example, but that was mostly developed. It's called the I think mm-hmm. it's called the Loire à Vélo, um, which was immensely successful, but it was mostly targeted yes. to tourists who ride along. Uh, the river and it's mostly flat, right? It's not, it's not a, we're not talking about a big city, Um, but it did end up getting locals on board. Now, obviously when you go to different environments where the local government leans a bit more to the right and aren't actually in favor of this sort of a transformation, you get distorted ideas of, you know, what's happening and, 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 and what, what bike behaviors are really like. So, what have you seen um, that has sort of complicated um, the discussion in other areas? Um, I'm thinking mostly about uh, yeah. West Coast. Uh, <laughs> because we last thought, time we I talked spoke, about this yes, example. I, I told you I was, was a bit upset about um, uh, a huge uh, article in West France, which is um, a, a very big newspaper in the western part of France, uh, which is the most re- uh, read uh, newspaper in France because it's regional and people are, uh, stick to their uh, um, regular newspaper. And in this newspaper, there was you know a confusion between what it is to to practice 
the, um, bicycle for the sport, you know, what we call si- bike tourism, cycling. Yeah. Cycling. Yeah. Or bike uh, tourism. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of confusion and there were, um, I mean, this article wasn't really honest about, you know, uh, the accidentology. I don't know if you could say that, but the number of accidents, they were just saying uh, for the last two years, it being a nightmare, there, there's a huge increase in accidents for bicycle drivers. But they didn't put in comparison the fact that, of course, there, there are a bit more accidents for the bike drivers, but because the practice has increased hugely, immensely, so it's not even proportional. So there, were, uh, there was a big bias in the way they, they tried to treat this item and there was a, a big part of the pages which were uh, which were devoted to the lobby of cars and um, the only the only people who were you know uh, t- giving testimony of their practice of bicycles were only uh, high level uh, sportsmen uh, yeah and, and the, the photos was, too they were the photos yes. were of like athletic so all the cyclists to, 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 to ride a bicycle very fast in the countryside when we don't behave like that when we're in the street of course it's like for cars i mean we slow down when we are in in, in the cities and there were no picture of old people of children of women it was just a certain kind of image of uh, the bike driver which was given and uh, there was no uh, no real intention to make it uh, more uh, accessible to anyone, and there was no inclusion issue in this subject. And, no, it was yeah, pure indeed. propaganda. Um, and also, what was interesting, um, we discussed this, was um, the car lobbies want to make it obligatory for, at least this is what they're pushing in in the media, is they want to see bike uh, bikes bicyclists. Um, wear helmets systematically and all sorts of other, you know, gear, neon, neon uh, straps and all of that to try to make it easier for the, for the drivers. And you had an interesting comment, I believe about the sort of the dilemma of enforcing helmets versus not enforcing them. And what is that? Because I, I hear from my, my parents often, they say, Oh, you're riding a lot in Paris. I hope you're wearing your helmet. So basically, uh, I do wear a helmet. Uh, for the first year I was driving a bicycle, uh, riding a bicycle, sorry, I, I wasn't wearing a helmet. And then I decided to put one because I thought it was safer. And I think it's important to, to wear one and to be visible, of course, to have lights on your bicycle and everything. But the thing is, there's a huge difference in enforcing that and making that obligatory or just to recommend it. Because if you enforce that in the law, a lot of people will never get uh, on their bicycles because if you get for example the um, uh, the bike sharing system you, you take a bike to go somewhere and then take the metro and then you walk you won't think about bringing your helmet with you so in the end you will end never use the bike sharing system because you have to or, always anticipate that and also uh, there are a lot of studies uh, showing that uh, when you wear a helmet the car drivers have the feeling that you're safer so when they overtake you, they are closer to you than when you don't wear it. So that's kind of, they are less careful with, with you because they think that you took all the decisions to make you to protect yourself. And the the fact is, uh, the, the the major uh, target is that as many as possible, as many people as possible get on the bicycle because the more you are, the safer you are because you are more visible, take more space, and and the traffic in general slows down. So. If the target 
is is to make more people slow down and um, the cars to slow down and more people get on their bicycles and uh, our cities to be quieter, uh, uh, more appeased with the traffic system. Uh, you, if you enforce the helmet, you will break this uh, this dynamic. Uh, so, and if you go to other countries like uh, like uh, in Copenhagen, the helmets are not uh, um, they are not compulsory when you ride a bicycle, for example. So that's a big issue, and there's a, a big difference uh, between uh, recommending that people wear a helmet and and uh, make it in compulsory. And I just wanted to add that. Um, uh, there's always, you know, uh, in, the, in this article we're talking about, there was this uh, underlying idea that it was always to the victim, to the pedestrian or to the to the bike driver, to protect him or herself. And usually when there's an accident, we say a car has hit a pedestrian. It's No, it's not a car. It's it's a real person which is, who is driving a car. And there's always a, a, a kind of bias in the way we treat accidentology in the news as well. And... Uh, uh, it's not, uh, of course, the vulnerable people have to make sure they don't uh, take risks, but it's also to be other ones which are, uh, uh, I mean, more powerful and can risk more uh, casualties to also take into account, mm-hmm. the, account the fact that the others are more vulnerable. Which is just so strange because in the end, uh, from a legal perspective, the the car drivers are still responsible. Mm. If they hit a pedestrian, they could say whatever they want about the pedestrian, but they're still responsible. Yes. Legally, uh, if something happens to them, so it's 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 all sort of messy, and you know the media needs to you know update its ways um, just as much as the car drivers do. Um, because I know that you've uh, you know you've you've consulted um, for on policy, and you've previously worked within um, the Mairie de Paris in a different capacity, but you know obviously that means you know how things get implemented. Do you? Th- what are some of the things you? think are positive that are happening now? Like, so at this very moment, you know, past, past the COVID measures, you know, what things are you seeing coming from the, you know, the city government that you think are smart about, uh, you know, for, for the bike culture? And what do you think needs work moving forward? I think that uh, it's good news that uh, a national plan vélo, uh, a national scheme for bike, is being uh, implemented. Uh, so that's quite good because it's not only about Paris; it's about you know the villages, the countryside, smaller cities where things need to evolve as well. Uh, so I think that's very very good uh, that things evolve in, in this direction and the promotion of active mobilities, be they walking or riding bicycle, is good. But of course, it creates tensions, and there are a lot of people who need to drive to, ride, to drive the, the, the cars, and uh, they feel like um, uh, their freedom is being under attack, and it's it's quite tricky. So I really think there's a big issue uh, on, uh, um, I mean, the timing of all the works. They can't all happen uh, suddenly at the same time, and sometimes people have this feeling that it's Paris is a huge. Uh, uh, chantier? How would you, would you say that? Yeah, thing? construction site. Like construction site. <laughs> but it's just an impression because, in fact, it's well, it's quite well organized. But of course, it creates uh, troubles for for everyone. Um, but I think a, a big issue is about communication and education. It's really to to, as I was saying previously, I, I, I think to 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 raise the awareness of people. Um, 
about the, the coexistence and a peaceful coexistence of the, between the different modes of transport is really important. And, uh, I think, um, there should be campaigns to, uh, to, to train people or to educate people of how to ride a bicycle and respect the others, but also how to, to, to drive a car and take more into account the fact that there are bikes. It's not that you are, um, when you drive a car, you must check more than before. You should always check, in fact. <laughs> so there are things like that. It's, it's a question of um, point of views. And I think uh, people don't communicate that much uh, when they come from one side to another. Well, even though there are tensions, it is still a huge transformation. Um, and we've, we've been able to see this in the last two years in an impressive way. Um, and, and the budget you're talking about for on a national level for bikes is smaller than the budget that Paris is investing into improvements for the city. Mm. So, I mean, that can only mean improvements, gradual improvements um, mm. as we go along. And certainly with the goal of 180 kilometers of new bike lanes by 2026, I think, you know, everybody has to get used to this. And, and one thing we haven't um, said during this conversation is that, uh, Things evolved in Paris, and really, I think for a lot of people, um, mobility has changed, and the notion of pleasure happened in their lives. Because before, when you take a, a, a RER or the metro, and you are packed when you come back from work, it's not a very pleasant moment. When you ride your bicycle, or, or when you walk home, and and you cross a park, or when you are on a bike lane, and you've got the you feel the wind in your air. I'm sorry, but it's something very specific, but uh, it makes your life better when you, I mean, you, you enjoy, you enjoy the city differently. I mean, you notice a new bar, you cross people, you can meet friends. I mean, when I ride my bicycle, uh, one of the major reasons why I ride my bicycle, is because it's pleasant because it yeah. makes me live Paris very differently and it makes, it makes me enjoy it. Also for our, for mental health, I think it can't be highlighted enough. Um, exactly. you know, I was always someone who took the Metro without even thinking and, you know, uh, being on the bike helps me think in a different way. It helps me, you know, being outdoors is, is something extremely important. And since we are still in a, in a, in a crisis of sorts, uh, you know, COVID isn't over. Um, I think it's still really important to get used to the idea of having other means of getting around. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you that, you know, in terms of accessibility, there's still a lot to be done, um, both in terms of making sure the city is safe for people who have reduced mobility. Mm -hmm. So bikers need to respect those people. Um, and also just the, you know, the, the plans for improving the city's infrastructure needs to take all of those things into account, which it certainly could do a better job of. Um, but Nicola, thank you so much. Um, I think this gives a good primer as to what's going on in Paris <laughs> with bikes. And if, to all the people who may have read that New York Times story, my father included, who said, <laughs> what's going on in Paris? Maybe you shouldn't be riding your bike. Um, it's just growing pains. Mm. Um, and so don't hesitate um, if you are here or have a bike and are scared to ride it. Just, you know, be cautious, pay attention and and see what it makes you feel. And also you, I think, have told me about a, an organization called Paris en Cell. Mm -hmm. Um, which probably has a lot of good resources. Yes, and there are a lot of, I mean, association, associations in all the cities. So there are a few ones in Paris and in the suburbs as well. And there's also a national um, 
association, which, which is called la FUB, Fédération des Usagers de la Bicyclette, so the Federation for Users of Bicycles, basically, uh, where you can find a lot of information about, you know, the the helmet issue, for example, or um, all the other concerns you may have about riding a bicycle in any city in France. So I guess maybe we should just leave people with a couple of recommendations, which is if you're riding your bike... <laughs> Pay attention, Pay attention to the stoplights and 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 smile you know. to others because when tensions happen, uh, uh, if you, for example, if you don't have time enough to break to let someone cross, just say sorry or say something, communicate with others. It's it is going to smooth things and uh, and it shows a bit of respect to the other ones who use the public space like you. Nicola, thank you so much and stay safe on your bike. I'm glad <laughs> that you are 15 years and counting as a cyclist. And, you know, here's to better and better things for, for the city that we love. Thank you, Lindsay. That's the show for today. As always, thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing with friends. You can find all previous episodes of the New Paris podcast wherever you stream your podcasts and on World Radio Paris. If you're enjoying these conversations, please consider picking up a copy of the New Paris book or my recent release, The New Parisienne, from your local booksellers. Until next time, à bientôt!